How's everybody doing today? Good? Man, I love what God's doing at this church. I don't know if you know this, but um, every church is not awesome like your church. Uh, I, I grew up in a pastor's home, and uh, well, a preacher's home. He wasn't a pastor, so we traveled every Sunday to different churches. And it's a miracle that Jeremy and I decided to be pastors because we went to so many awful churches. Uh, every church is not awesome. And uh, I know that I'm supposed to say this because I'm his brother, but you have an incredible pastor. Uh, Jeremy is, yeah. We talk about once a day. Uh, I call him on Thursdays and preach my sermon to him. I don't know how many of those make it to you, but... Uh, I did have to double check and make sure I wasn't preaching something he stole from me today, but, uh, but you have an incredible pastor, pastor's wife and Corey, incredible kids. Uh, you just, you're really blessed. You're really lucky. And I love my brother, love this family, love what God's doing at Canton Church. I'm surprised I didn't get invited to speak on Pajama Sunday. I thought that probably would have been when I got the invite, but uh, I'm just honored to be here. We, don't have, we didn't have church today in Louisville. We canceled church because uh, nobody shows up. So I just want to applaud you for showing up today in between Christmas and New Year's, because our church doesn't do that. They don't show up. So uh, thank you for being here. It was also a real thrill today to get to hear uh, Pastor Sean lead worship. Uh, Sean and I grew up in the same youth group. It's been, oh my goodness, let's see, I'm 32 now. So it's been uh, like 15 years since I've had the chance to, to hear Sean lead worship. We grew up together. He comes from a really musical family, but we kind of started together like learning how to play Lord, I Lift Your Name on High together. We knew three chords, and actually Pastor Josh Rice was our youth pastor, and he was like, hey, you guys be the band, and we knew two songs, and we did those songs for like a year, and uh, <laughs> God helped us out. We got a little bit better, but it was so cool. Band sounded great. Listen, if that doesn't light your fire, come on, your wood's wet, and you need to check that out. Such a good band. So anyway, just I love what God's doing here. I love what God's doing. And uh, you're lucky, you're blessed, so don't ever take it for granted. Make sure you hug your staff and tell them you love them and, and how awesome they are, all right? We're going to jump in today, and I want to talk to you about something uh, miraculous. I want to talk to you about something special, something that seems too good to be true, all right? When Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov immigrated to the United States, he said that what he loved most about America was the grocery stores. He said he loved it because one day he was walking down the aisle and he saw powdered milk. And he's like, man, this is incredible. He said, you just add water and you get milk. He said he looked down a little bit farther and he saw powdered orange juice. And, he, and he's like, he read the box and said, you just add water and you get orange juice. He said he went a few aisles over and saw baby powder and he thought, what a country, man. What a country. <laughs> How many people know there are some things in life that, are, that just seem too good to be true? Maybe baby powder is one of them, but too good to be true. And I, I want to talk about that today, about things that seem too good to be true, um, about when our faith is tested, when we struggle to believe in things that seem too good to be true. I want to talk about miracles, and I'm not talking about those insignificant, um, barely noticed, those small kind of miracles. I'm talking about those big, hairy, audacious, unbelievable kind of miracles. Like those kind of miracles, when you hear them, you're like, come on, come on, man. Like, tell me the truth. That cannot be for real, but that's what I want to talk about, because it's easy to believe that God doesn't do miracles anymore. 
It's easy to believe that the unexplainable stopped happening a long time ago, but that's, that's not true. See, I believe miracles are happening all around us, all the time. Miracles are happening. And the question is, are we paying attention to them? Are we paying attention? And I believe that God has miracles that he wants to do in our life. Please hear me. You don't know me, uh, but, you know, Jeremy vouches for me, so just trust me when I tell you that God wants to do miraculous things in your life, that, that where you are is not where he wants you to stay, and that his dreams are bigger, and his plans are bigger, and he wants to do miraculous things in, in your life. The problem is not that God stopped doing the miraculous. The problem is that we need help believing. Would anybody be honest today and just say, I need help believing sometimes? I need help believing. I don't know if you're raising your hand. These lights are so bright, but I'm just gonna trust that you raised your hands a little bit. There's a conversation in Mark chapter nine between Jesus and this father that needs God to do a miracle for his son. He, he, he needs God to do something miraculous. But the dad isn't sure. The dad's just not sure that God can or that God will because, you know, both matter. Sometimes you believe God can, you just don't know if he will. Sometimes you know he wants to, you just don't know if he can, and that's where the dad is, is at. And, and so in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, 23, 24, listen to what the dad says. The dad says, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. He's talking to Jesus. And Jesus says back to him, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the dad kind of interrupts Jesus. It says that he instantly cried out, I do believe. Listen, Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to this father. I can relate to this dad. You know, Jesus one time described the faith that he wants us to have as a mustard seed that starts in the ground and, and is small, but grows into a large tree, which is just awesome for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that analogy. But honestly, most of the time, my faith feels more like a weed than a tree. I don't know if you can relate to that, but so many times it just doesn't feel like a large tree. And I love the honesty of this dad. Over the years, I've claimed his words as my own. I've just kind of adopted them and said, hey, those are my words. God, will you help me believe? Help me believe. I do at some level, all of us have this baseline belief, okay? Like, yeah, God's big, okay, we're at church, so we have this belief that, yeah, God at some way can do something. I've got this baseline belief, but God, I need you to help me believe that you're able to do the miraculous things in life that I'm just honestly, I'm just not sure if you do them anymore. I know that social media kind of makes everyone look impressive. I appreciate the, the Twitter shout out uh, there earlier. Um, I do my best to be honest on social media. Uh, but everybody looks so impressive. And maybe you're like me and you see someone post a picture on social media sometimes. And, you know, like it's, um, it's like the sun is about to rise and they're in their backyard and they've got their Bible open and they've got their journal open and two pens and a highlighter and a cup of coffee with a scripture verse on it that says, as the deer pants for water. And, they've, and, they, and they just, they quote something like, 
breathing in the air of our Savior today. And I'm like slurping Fruit Loops, you know, as I'm scrolling through Twitter or Facebook. And I'm like, there's this part of me that, first of all, thinks they're ridiculous. But second of all, there's this part of me that feels like, I wish I had a relationship with God like that. I wish I had faith like that. I wish I had a coffee mug in the shape of a deer. Like, I, I, I want that. Just once, I would love to see somebody have this honest confession of like, hadn't prayed in three weeks, not sure if I will today. I love God, but struggling with the prayer right now. Like, I would just love for somebody to create this new hashtag and like, we, maybe we can start it today. There's just this new hashtag. It says, help me believe. Help me believe. Help me believe. I know, I know nobody posts stuff like this, but just once I would love to see a, a selfie of a mom with swollen eyes who can't stop crying because their teenage kid just told them, I hate you. And they, 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 they say, hashtag, help me believe my children won't depart from the godly truth that they were raised in. Come on, parents. It's not always sunshine. Just once, I'd love to see a post that, of a picture sitting outside on the front porch because his wife changed the locks and his, and his clothes are spread all over the front yard. It says, help me believe that what God has joined together, no man can separate. Come on, come on spouses. It's not, it's not always easy to believe that God's doing something great in your marriage. Maybe, maybe it'd be nice to see a picture of like an ATM receipt that says, you're broke. You have no money. With a hashtag, help me believe my heavenly father knows what I need. Come on, it's hard sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I find myself in, in places where my faith is weak and I need help believing. I need help believing that God wants to do something miraculous in my life. It seems, it seems unbelievable sometimes. But my hope today is that God will light a spark of faith in your life. Sometimes that's all it takes is just a spark. Sometimes it's just a spark. And that God would light a, a spark of faith in your life, that, that maybe faith or belief in a big God who wants to do big things in your life would come alive. And you would begin to believe again in the supernatural ability of God. Listen, if you think God is boring, you're probably living a boring life and you're not probably believing big enough things. And so today we're going to read a story from 2 Kings chapter 5 about a prophet named Elisha and a soldier named Naaman. And Naaman was a man who needed miraculous intervention in his life like so many of us do and we're going to find in this story that God can miraculously change things that we believed would never change. All of us have those things that we've kind of written off. Specifically today we're going to see in 2 Kings 5 how God can change maybe the thing that's the hardest to believe that could ever change you and me. That he could change us, those parts of us that we gave up on a long time ago. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the, it's like the prayer that humorist uh, Irma Bombeck wrote one time. She said, Lord, if you can't make me thin, make my friends look fat. Come on. <laughs> we can all relate to that. Well, Corey can't relate to that, but everybody else can relate to that. Four kids, 87 pounds. Seriously, God, come on. 
all of us have part of our lives that we've just conceded that they'll, they'll always be around. They're never going to change. But today, we're going to use this story in 2 Kings 5 to, to, to ask God, hey God, hashtag help me believe I can change. Help me believe I can change. Does anybody in here need help believing that you can change? Come on. I don't know if you're raising your hand. That's fine. Whatever. All right, here we go. Let's do this. How many, raise your hand if I'm preaching good right now. Hands all over the place, right? Now I can see them. <laughs> Kidding. 2 Kings 5.1, whatever you're reading it on. It's up here too. Here we go. 2 Kings 5.1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, through Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. Love this sentence. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Love that sentence. Love the humanity of that sentence. We meet Naaman and find out he's a successful warrior. He's in a position of power and influence. And almost everyone who knows Naaman knows him as a mighty warrior. Naaman. Yeah, Naaman. But underneath his armor, Naaman wasn't mighty, he was fragile. He was suffering from a contagious skin disease that was a social faux pas. And we don't know how many people knew about his condition, but if Naaman's anything like you and me, I would be willing to bet not many. Not many. Not many. So much easier to be known for what you do than who you are, isn't it? So much easier. Especially when who you are is deadly. And who you are on the outside is mighty. When what you do is impressive, but who you are behind your armor is sick, it's only natural to live life projecting the mighty warrior and never take your armor off. It's what we do. We live in a culture that's so infatuated with appearance and accomplishments, but God isn't. God's not impressed by our public persona. According to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God sees past the facade. He sees the real you and the real me. He said in 16:7, he said, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, which is good. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In just a moment, we're going to read about the miraculous power of God to change us. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. God is going to heal Naaman's leprosy. But you knew that because we're preaching about it. That's what we preach about. But before we get there, I want to tell you this. God can never change the real you as long as the real you stays hidden. God can never change the real you as long as the real you stays hidden. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. I pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, and we have a, a large Catholic base. Our church is very, uh, very Catholic, lots of Catholic families. And they have taught me over the last 10 years the, the value to, to appreciate confession. Now, in their minds, I'm the priest, so that gets a little weird sometimes. But still, just to appreciate the power of confession. Now, I'm not advocating for you to go find a stranger and air out all your dirty laundry, okay? But I am telling you that secret sin doesn't go away. It grows like a fungus in dark, damp places. So let me ask you this question. If the price to pay for God miraculously changing you was humiliation, would you pay it? 
If the, if the price to pay, if today God said, I can change you, the past will be in the past, a new future awaits from you, we'll leave it all right here. The only thing that it's going to cost you is humiliation when you take your armor off. Are you willing to pay that price? 2 Kings 5, keep reading verse 2, says, At this time, Aramean soldiers had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, we just talked about hiding under our armor. But I love this part of the story because I'm reminded that you can be a soldier, a mighty warrior in public. But if you have issues, you can only hide them at home for so long. Come on. You got to take the armor off at home at some point. And so the people who live with you, they know you. That's why they're not impressed by you, which is good. That's good. Everybody doesn't need to be impressed by you. You need to have somebody who can see through your bull, right? Till death do you part, and it's wonderful. And so, and so while everyone else may have seen Naaman as a mighty warrior, the people living in his home knew Naaman was a man with leper skin. So let me ask you a quick question, and we're going to keep going. Do you have anyone in your life who knows the real you? Do you have anyone in your life who knows the real you? I hope so. Because having to hide something is exhausting. Come on. Having to hide something is exhausting. If you carry that around by yourself, it's like David said in Psalm 51, my bones ache with the secret sin in my life. It's exhausting. You better have somebody who knows the real you. Let's keep going. Verse four. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. We're gonna skip a little bit. So Naaman went with his horse and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away, which I'm assuming is different than walked away. It's probably ferociously walking away because he's angry. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected. Everybody say, I expected. expected. Expectations will get you every time. Says I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Naaman knew exactly how it should happen, when it should happen, where it should happen. He says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the, I'm going to assume that's Farpar, I don't know, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? You ever argued with God before? It's cute. So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. And I think this is the part of the story that's so important for us today. Because I believe a lot of us want God to do the miraculous on our terms. We want to serve a big God who's able to do anything as long as he does it on our terms. If we're honest, we want to serve a predictable God who's at our command. We really like a genie more than we like an all-powerful God. Have you ever been mad at God because he didn't do what you expected? Come on, of course you have. I have. A lot of us are frustrated because we had wrong expectations about God. Someone you prayed for didn't get healed. You're mad about it. 
You didn't get the job that you thought you would get. You didn't get the promotion that you thought you would get. Let's make it even worse. Some moron that you work with got the promotion. He's an idiot. You're qualified. Don't make no sense. You're not married yet. And you're way more attractive than all your ugly friends who have gotten married. You'd never say that, but you know that's true. You're not pregnant yet. And you're sick of going to baby showers. You're not sober yet. You don't know how many times you can check back in, how many more meetings you can go to, how many more times you can disappoint people. It hasn't happened like you thought it would happen. Your expectations haven't been met. God hasn't done it on your terms. And we could keep going, but God didn't meet our expectations and we're mad about it. We're pouting about it like Naaman. You probably um, have heard this song on, on the radio, but there's a song by a girl named Laura Story. Uh, it's called Blessings. You've probably heard it, but the lyrics are so beautiful. I love it. It says, because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments are the aching or the aching of this life? Is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? We want God to do it the way we want him to do it, but what if he's got a better way? I have a, a friend I was talking to recently who told me a story about God answering her prayers. She had been praying and God answered it. And her prayer is that, that God would help her uh, with her relationship with her mother-in-law. Things had not been going good, and there had been tension, frustration. My friend had been asking God to help um, to, to, to make that relationship better. And she had been praying for a few weeks about it. Nothing had really happened, and one day uh, her husband had to run over to his mom's house, so her mother-in-law. And when he gets over there, she was not home. The mother-in-law was not home. But when he gets over there, he sees something that catches him off guard. He sees that they did not realize that evidently what was going on in his mom's life was chaotic and out of control. And the house was in, just in bad shape. And, and obviously there was something going on. And so he picked up the phone and he called my friend and he said, you need to get over here. And so she went over there and she walked in and she saw this house that, that was torn apart and had not been taken care of in a long time. Nobody knew what was happening in the life of the mom. And she said in that moment, she just felt this sense because first of all, she's a good human being, but she said she felt from the Holy Spirit this feeling like you need to stay over here because the mother-in-law was not home. They didn't know she was there. You need to stay over here and clean her house for her. And so she canceled all her plans that day and she began to clean and she started in the bathrooms and she said she didn't make it farther than the bathroom. She spent all seven hours cleaning the bathrooms scrubbing and, 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 and making it gorgeous and clean and beautiful because it was not that. 
She said she got done seven hours later cleaning the bathrooms. And she said, with, in, in just this weird, unexpected moment, I realized in that moment that God had broken my heart and given me a heart of compassion and love for my mother-in-law. I never knew that what it would take for God to answer my prayers for me to clean her bathrooms. And she said to me, she said, Jason, if God had, if I had prayed, God helped my relationship with my mother-in-law and I had felt like God had spoken to me and said, okay, go clean her bathrooms. I would have been like, God, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. God had to get me there and in the middle of it and when I got done, I realized that my prayer had miraculously been answered she said at the end, she said, God answered my prayer in a way that I never expected, but it was exactly what I needed. You ever had that happen? Not what you expected, but exactly what you needed. This is a great time in life for me to be preaching on miracles because the Isaacs household's faith is sky high right now. We will remember 2015 as a year of answered prayers in our life, and I want to just share one of those with you. I think they have a picture, but this is my oldest daughter, Sadie, and she's actually in kids' church today with Pastor Blake. And I don't know if you can see that, but on the left is a picture of Sadie's tongue with a cyst that started growing about 15 months ago. And uh, we took her to the doctor, and they referred us to this guy who referred us to this guy, this specialist, and this cyst kept growing. And so we went to the doctor, and he said, listen, it's not cancerous or anything, which our family gets a little sensitive about that after my mom's passing. And, and he said, but, but I can't promise you that it'll go away. We can do a, a procedure. It'll cost somewhere between five dollars to $10,000. I'm like, thanks for that window, doc. Um, and so it'll cost five to $10,000, and I'm gonna, I can cut it off, but I can't promise you it won't go back two weeks later. I'm like, so I can pay like $10,000, and I'm gonna be like, we've gone for a week. Like, okay. So um, we waited a little bit. It grew some more. It grew some more. We went back to the doctor, same report. So this last August, our church went through 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do that in January and August, and... Uh, I always challenge our people. What do you believe in God to do big? We're not fasting to somehow manipulate God to answer a prayer, but, but, but big things happen when you fast. And so what are you praying? And so I had a list of about 17 things I was praying for. And at the top of that list was that God would heal Sadie's tongue. And I wanted God to do it for two reasons. The first reason I wanted him to do it is because I wanted him to heal her tongue because I wanted the bump to go away because it was starting to bleed and it was affecting her speech and I didn't want to pay $10,000. Altogether, I'm going to lump that together. The second reason I wanted him to do it is because I wanted, at the time, my six-year-old daughter to experience the miracle power of God and to change her faith for the rest of her life for her to always know that God is able to heal. And so I, I sat Sadie and Nora down, Nora's the younger sister, and we told the family, I said, listen, we're going to pray. Every night, we're going to pray. Daddy's fasting. The church is fasting. We're going to pray. I'm going to be praying. Every night before we go to bed, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, God, heal Sadie's tongue. And so we started praying day one, day two, week one, week two. Now, I'm not saying this to brag because the Bible says don't do this, so I'm probably giving up my reward. Who knows what he meant by that? But I didn't eat for like 21 days, okay? Like I, I fasted, okay? And this is probably a bad thing to say, 
But I kind of expected God to answer that prayer because, come on, God, I'm not eating for 21 days. You know, it's like, I'll do this, you do that. We've got a deal here. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about God. It's like, God, I'm putting this money in the bucket so you know what you do, you know. And, and so I'm praying, and we're praying every night, and my daughter, my six-year-old, seven-year-old daughter is praying, God, I pray that you would heal my tongue, take the bump away. My four-year-old daughter is reaching over and laying her hand on my mouth. Come on. I mean, it's like, God, heal. And we're expecting God to heal, 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 heal. Nothing. Nothing. Week one, week two, week three, we get done with 21 days. It's gotten bigger. Tongue, bleeding. It's bad. Now my family's getting mad at me. My dad's mad because he says I'm neglecting my daughter. Take her to the hospital, you know, and I'm like, man, I just feel like we're supposed to keep praying. So we keep praying. We prayed another week or two, nothing, nothing. And I would love to tell you, because these are great preacher stories, I would love to tell you that our faith did not fail and we kept praying. But honestly, after two more weeks, I stopped praying. I gave up. I was so discouraged, I was so depressed that God would not answer a prayer to take a cyst off the tongue of a six-year-old girl. First of all, come on, God, why would you not do that? Second of all, I didn't even eat for 21 days. Come on. Nothing. You stopped praying. People stopped asking about it. And I told my wife, I said, listen, make an appointment for January. You know, new deductible. So say, make an appointment for January. And... um. We'll go get it taken off. Maybe that's how God wants to heal her, you know? And so I just forgot about it. And um, so in October, on a Saturday morning, Sadie runs downstairs. Because I all through the fast, I'd say, let me see your tongue, you know, nothing. She runs downstairs on a Saturday morning in October, and she says, Dad, Dad, look. She opens her mouth and sticks her tongue out, and the cyst is completely gone. 100% 100% gone. Is the picture still up there? Yeah, I don't know if you can see that, but like it is completely gone. I grabbed Sadie. I said, baby, God has healed you. God has healed you. I said, I want you to remember this. Don't you ever forget this, that God hears us when we pray. and He has the power to heal us. I couldn't believe it. The truth is, I could not believe it. I had given up. I had lost faith. I, I had lost the expectation, and I couldn't believe it because God hadn't met my expectations. And honestly, I was pouting. But God loves to answer our prayers in unexpected ways and unexpected times. He loves to do the unbelievable and unexplainable ways. Maybe, just maybe, and I'm guessing here, so don't quote me, but I'm just guessing, maybe God hasn't taken the challenge of addiction or sickness away from you because his plans are greater than you think. And he's teaching you something you didn't know you needed to learn. Maybe you're still single or not pregnant yet because his plans for your life are bigger than your expectations of companionship or motherhood. I know you don't want to hear that. I'm married, I got kids. But maybe, maybe there's a lesson that he wants you to learn that you can't learn any other way. What if we ask God, God, hashtag, help me believe, and we stopped pouting and committed ourselves again to trust that his ways are far beyond our thoughts 
And if he intends for us to still live with this struggle for now, we're gonna bear our cross a little while longer. And it doesn't mean we're not saved. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It just means that God isn't defined by our expectations. And I'm so glad about that. So glad about that. Let's finish it up. 2 Kings 5, verse 13 and 14. But his officer, so remember Naaman, he got mad, he pouted, he walked off because God, the, the prophet wasn't doing it like he wants. So verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to, to do something uh, very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Can we just stop for a second and say, thank, thank God for friends who will tell us when we're being ridiculous? I hope you got some of those. You got to have some relationships in your life that just say sometimes, shut up. You're being ridiculous. Just do what the man of God says. And here's what I want to leave you with today. Taking the story of Naaman, applying it to where we are. What if God intends to change you a dip at a time? A dip at a time. You thought that God would wave his hand and it would be over just like Naaman. But what if God intends to change you a dip at a time? Not splashy, not instant, but his miraculous method is by asking us to obey him in silly, small ways. And with each dip in the river of mundane, significant obedience that we thought was a dumb idea, God just heals us a little bit at a time. You know, this isn't the only time that God chose to do a miracle like this. When the Israelites needed the walls of Jericho to fall, God didn't just collapse them like he parted the Red Sea. Because there was a time when God just said, Red Sea. Like, we love that. But this time, God chose not to do it like that. He told the people to walk around the walls one time each day for six days, and on the seventh day, to walk around the walls seven times. And by the way, the whole time you do it, you don't get to talk, which is nuts, but that's all right. That's a dumb idea. It's a dumb idea. If I'm God, if you're God, we got more creativity than that, that's a dumb idea, okay? I'd never have chosen to do that if I was God. God could have said, walls be gone. There, they're gone. He could have said, hit it with a rock, walls be gone. And I'm sure the Israelites, not allowed to talk, were grumbling under their breath, which this is not the point of the sermon, but can I just say, I think the reason God said you're not allowed to talk is because he didn't want negative voices distracting everybody when he wanted to do something great with an idea that nobody thought was a great idea. Because if he would have said, you can talk, by the seventh day, Nancy Negative, come on, you know him, and, and, and you know everybody who's got a better idea and cynical and all that would have talked everybody out. They would have never made it to the seventh day. So God said, the only way this is going to work is faithful obedience, and you need to be quiet. Okay? And so... They, uh, they start walking around, and they can't see anything happen until the seventh day, but I can't prove it, but I believe that every lap, that foundation was crumbling just a little bit. Sometimes, instead of instant, God chooses time, consistency, and faithfulness to perform the miraculous. Sometimes, God chooses time, consistency, and faithfulness to perform the miraculous. 
So what if God is healing your marriage you feel like will never change? But he's not going to do it through a Hawaii vacation or a piece of jewelry. He's going to do it through each and every counseling appointment you attend together. Each and every church service you decide to wake up and get in the car and sit here together. God says every time I'm strengthening the foundation just a little bit every time. What if God is going to change your financial situation, but he's not going to do it with an inheritance or the lottery. He's going to do it with every $100 check you mail to the credit card company and every credit card you cut up. What if God is going to take the addiction from your life, but he's going to do it through a progression of meetings, sponsors, small groups, and confession? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think sometimes we get discouraged and our faith gets deflated because God doesn't do the miraculous in our life the way that we expected him to. So we stop believing he does the miraculous at all. He does do the miraculous. But most of the time he chooses to do it a dip at a time. A dip at a time. A dip at a time at a river we would have never chosen. A dip at a time. And I would be willing to bet that who you are now is not who you used to be, but you don't realize that it's been happening a dip at a time. Come on, you're not who you used to be. You're better than you used to be. God is changing you a dip at a time, but you don't realize it. Just stop and look back and realize that God is, and he will continue. The hard part for you and me is not stopping after three or four dips or three or four laps. That's the hard part. And I can't help but wonder what miracles I've missed out on because I was too proud to take seven dips in the Jordan River. Come on. What miracles have I missed out on? What miracles have you missed out on because we were too proud to take seven dips in the Jordan River? Maybe you've been waiting on God to miraculously change you. God's been waiting on you to do something. Maybe God is waiting for you to take off your armor, suck up your pride, and be honest with yourself and others about who you are. That's a stinky river. Hurts for a while. Maybe he's waiting on you to make some hard, obedient choices about ending some relationships in your life. Maybe he's waiting on you to give before he changes your financial situation, but you expect him to do it before you give because that would be less scary and take less faith. Come on. That's not how he does it. That's not how he does it. Here's what I know to be true. Philippians 1.6, that he who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. Not three years from now. No. Until the day when Christ Jesus returns. It's a process, it's a journey, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, it's a dip at a time, it's a lap at a time, come on. But God, who began that good work in us, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day that he returns. God can and will perform the miraculous in your life. Hear me, who you are now is not who you're always gonna be and how it is now is not how it's always going to be. But my prayer and the words I claim from that father in Mark 9 is, God, help me believe I can change. Listen, not because he needs me to, because he loves me. He loves me just like I am. 
but because I know there's some plans out there. There's a future out there. There's some opportunities out there. God, I don't want to be this way forever. Help me believe I can change. Let's pray. God, it's hard to believe that, uh, that it won't be like this forever. It's hard to believe, God, that things could change when they haven't changed by now. So God, I, I, I just pray that today faith would fill the room. I pray that today the spirit of God would fill the room, speak to our hearts. I pray for broken marriages that feel like they're never gonna change. I pray for parents whose kids aren't talking to them. I pray for businesses that seem like they're never gonna turn around. I pray for financial situations that seem like they're gonna be this way forever. I pray for addictions in the room that we swear will never go away. Habits in our lives that are holding us back. God, help us believe it can change. It can change. God, you may choose to do it instantly. That's awesome. We love when that happens. But God, if it's a dip at a time in a river we don't want to go to, will you give us the courage to faithfully obey you and watch you do miraculous things with time, consistency, and faithfulness. Come on, sing this with me. Yes, he loves.